1: I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Ash London podcast. What's this podcast all about? Well, like life, I'm figuring it out as I go. It'll grow and evolve as I do and as you do hopefully. I want to figure out how to keep living my best life even when it feels like the world is imploding. It'll be a little bit messy emotional, confronting, and hopefully we'll be able to laugh about it along the way. I just had my first baby and every Tuesday I'll be on a quest to figure out how to live my best mum life while keeping my career, passions and dreams alive in the meantime. I call it New Mum, Who Dis? Welcome to episode 12 of the podcast. Hope you're loving life this week. Last week, we expanded out to two episodes a week with Polly PJ Harding, our first Thursday guest. And if you haven't had a listen, get around it, especially if you're someone who works in a creative field. We had such a wonderful response to the episode. And just a reminder, of course, if you're loving what you're listening to, it would mean heaps if you could subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, you know the drill. All right, let's get into today's episode and today's guest. Anyone in their 30s who grew up in Australia will have watched Home and Away as a kid. It was a juggernaut and Tam and Sirsock was the it girl of the show. Gracing magazine covers galore. This was back when all of us frothed over the latest edition of Girlfriend and stuck posters of JTT up on our wall. Yeah, Throwback. Born in South Africa, Taman Sersok moved to Australia as a kid and broke out onto our scenes playing Danny Sutherland in The Soap. A big move to the US some years later saw her have starring roles in The Young and the Restless, Hannah Montana and of course Pretty Little Liars. She is a mama of two girls, Phoenix and Lennon and is currently back on home soil working on a couple of new projects including the new film You, Me and the Penguins. Her popular podcast, Women On Top, has over 1 million downloads. Hello, Taman Sursok.
0: Hello, how is it going? Living my best
1: life, sister. It's good to have you. (laughs) Well, like, do you feel like you're home? I mean, it's funny. What is home these days? I don't really know.
0: Yeah, look, um, I mean, we just met. Just a second ago, but let me tell you my whole life story. Um, no, a year, it was 2020, April 2020 at the height of COVID. Um, well, we didn't know it was the height of COVID, we thought it was the end of COVID. We thought 2020 <laughs> was the only year COVID was gonna be in. We sold everything in Los Angeles and we decided to go on the road in America to try to find like a better lifestyle for our kids, more space. Mm. You know, obviously we didn't go to restaurants, we couldn't see anyone, but we would just kind of go to national parks and just seeing the areas and just like looking at houses and going like, where are we? going to stay. And then what happened was I got a job in Brisbane in May and I had 24 hours to turn everything around and pack the entire family up and get our butts over to Australia. And I was so excited because I thought, you know what, I get to see my parents. We hadn't seen my parents in two years. And when we landed, then Sydney had the massive surges and everything sort of shut down. So We've been now in Brisbane for almost six months, five to six months. It's gone so fast. So when you say like home, it's weird because we have actually been home brackets brackets less. How, how about <laughs> I say houseless? Yeah. For now, a year and two months, wow. and it's been frightening, and it's also been exhilarating, and the best thing that's ever happened to us. So yeah.
1: Everything in life is a trade off, I feel like. No matter what you do and where you go, there's always gonna be some sense of let me sat on this, but I get this and you just have to make do, right?
0: Exactly. You know, America's great for like if you have a dream in America, mm. it's all about people getting behind you and supporting you and you can you can do and achieve anything. There's just no limit, you know?
1: And I feel like in the States when I go, I go I used to go a lot for work, obviously.
0: Yeah, I yeah. go anywhere now.
1: But I think people really back themselves. So there's this kind of Definitely. sense of I'm doing this and I'm going to do this and this is the dream, whereas in Australia it's the opposite. Like we downplay our achievements. Right, And right. we don't want to kind of appear like we're showing off. But I think both, again, a balance of both of those things is so important. I mean, I wish Australian women especially
0: more like, well, like I'm going to do this and this is my dream and this is my passion. But I do feel like the safety aspect, like I haven't once thought about like, will I be safe at a movie theater? And I haven't ever felt like, you know, I did go and buy like a, a backpack for my kid for school that like could protect her if anything happened at school when it comes to like, you know, guns and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's just trade-offs, right? Yeah. So it's just like, That's you know. a huge just- trade-off, Tammy. Like
1: how do you, as a parent, like how do you even exist in that world without going completely crazy I mean I've been a mom for seven weeks and I'm already like everything can hurt him I have to protect him
0: yeah I mean I think you get a little numb like in life right you get a little numb to it so Mm. it's not something that we think about 24 7 you know I was living there for 16 years and I heard gunshots a few times, which is probably more times than I should have ever heard them. But it's not like I'm going to work at Warner Brothers and I'm like, you know, seeing that kind of violence on the street. I'm not Mm. seeing that. So you do feel um, numb to it sometimes. But I think it's always in the back of your head. I think that you're always, um, you know, your, your limbic system is always a little heightened. And I remember getting here five months ago and my husband and I were just like, oh, my gosh, like we just feel like we can just breathe a little better, you know, like we're just a little like, Oh, nothing too wild is going to happen. So maybe you get addicted to that, you know, fear and adrenaline. I don't know, but it's been, we've learned a lot. I would say being in both places.
1: Yeah. I want to go back to that. You mentioned you had 24 hours to kind of upend your life and move. And you had that conversation with your (laughs) husband. Not a lot of couples I don't think could have made that decision so quickly And gone, okay, we're gonna do this. So, what is it about? What have you cultivated, you and your husband, that means that you can have that conversation? Oh my lord, the curls.
0: My daughter just walked in fully naked, so hopefully, (laughs) you can cut that part out. (laughs) Living her best life. (laughs) And then my husband's like, okay, come inside here. (laughs) Um, You know, when you said, we, my husband and I met on a film set. My husband's a director, a writer. We have a production company together. I've been an actor for twenty years. It's like you don't you don't marry someone like that and go. Well, we really want stability. And we <laughs> want to make sure that we live in one place for the rest of our lives. Because then I should have married a doctor, yeah. and then the doctor probably shouldn't have married me. Yeah. Um. You know, our jobs are about literally dropping everything and going where the work is, and that is kind of our lifestyle. And we've been really lucky so far that our children. Have been, you know, most of my work has been in Los Angeles because that's just how it's always been for me. Pretty little Liars was eight years there. Young and the restless, uh, um, Hannah, Montana, all my work has been there. Or if it's been a movie like we flew to Cambodia once and we went, we were just like two months at a time. So it's not like really upending your life. But I have these two TV shows here in Australia that might, you know be going very soon, which could mean two months, it could mean five years. but, that's kind of the life that we signed up for. And, you know, I've had a few DMS people try to attack you when they, when it feels like they feel something sensitive towards it Mm. personally. Um, Or like, you know, they want to attack you because they feel ashamed personally about something, but people say like, well, how can you do that to your kids? And I thought to myself, well, firstly, they've been in one school mostly for their entire lives. My daughter, my second daughter's too young to be at school. Um, and then secondly like my eldest daughter who's eight years old is the most empathetic compassionate person she knows all about race religion all different colors of the rainbow she you know we were in dubai for two months and she like befriended a beautiful little Muslim girl she doesn't judge she understands she's so connected to the world she's sensitive she's empathetic and it's like I think that comes with different experiences and getting to travel and and see different cultures and religions and races and and just be part of that and understand that we're all kind of fighting for the same thing. And we're so much more alike than different. And that's what my kid is. I think she's like so incredible because of not solely because of our lifestyle, but because of the opportunities that she's been given. Like she's gone to 16 countries since she's eight years old. So, you know, but I do believe that stability is important. So if we can't give her, we can't say that, you know, for the next 10 years, we can Honestly, say that stability will be just in Los Angeles or just in Australia. The stability we can give her is as a family. Yeah, awesome. We can be there for her. We can be picking her up from her school, wherever that is. We can be having dinners at the dinner table. We can be having Christmases together. We can be, you know, reading books at night. And so like her stability comes through our unit as a family and less from like the places that she's in. And Mm. so as long as she has that stability and she knows that her parents and her family will always be there, I think that for us feels like it's enough.
1: And I think a lot of people, especially in Australia, we have this idea of Hollywood, right, and actresses mm-hmm. and actors and, and what parenting looks like for them. But it seems to me like you've not rebelled against that idea, but like you just said, stability is you being present and you being in their lives and making sure they know. So you've gone from this kind of world, like every show you listed off was just these kind of sexy, this idea of living there and living the lives lifestyle, whatever, parenting is not sexy. Like
0: motherhood is not <laughs> no. sexy.
1: So there's a big leap to go. from. Well, it, it's in this sexy. To- and then you have
0: the kids and then it's not sexy. Yeah, exactly. You feel sexy. Then you get pregnant <laughs> and then it's not sexy.
1: <laughs> so like, how do you kind of make that jump? And then did you have to make a really concerted effort to decide with you and your husband, what parenting was going to look like for you guys and what it wasn't going to
0: look like? Yeah. I mean, here's what's going to make everyone shocked. Hollywood is not sexy. It is literally the opposite of sexy. Um, Hollywood is gritty and it's painful and it's sweat and blood and tears. And it's changing in the backseat of a car six times during the day with sides, like sides, which are audition sides. It's feeling like you're not worthy. It's feeling like you're not good enough. It's It's also the jubilation of obviously getting a job and getting paid, which is great. But then, but then what? It's like, then you have to get another job. And then that comes with a lot of work. Like, you know, I think that one of the biggest issues with people's um, view of success is that it's easy Mm -hmm. and that it didn't take a lot of effing gritty, dirty work. Mm. And that's parenting too, isn't it? It's like, you see these kids, like my eight-year-old can have a conversation with anyone. She looks like exactly like the part. She's totally put together, but like that is eight years of me like not screaming at her not punishing her me sitting down with her when she's having a spaz attack and sitting down and talking about okay what are our solutions what are the consequences um, of your actions when you're hitting your sister like what's gonna and like drilling that into her that's taken years of me having to keep my shit together Mm. and that's the same thing with hollywood it's all the same thing like If you're successful in Hollywood, you've had to do the work. And if you're a successful parent, you've had to do the work too. And if you want to take shortcuts, which is so easy, you can sleep around in Hollywood, you can buy yourself in if your parents have a lot of money, you can, there's lots of ways you can get in, right? And same with parenting, you can hit your kids and which is a whole topic that we can probably not get into because it's probably controversial or you can scream at them and guilt them and shame them. Or you can actually like lead with empathy and love and talk through things and give consequences. So yes, it's not like a free for all, but that's not comfortable, right? It's, Mm. it's hard and it's not the easy way. And you have to deal with yourself and you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And it's like, Parenting for me, like it's so easy for me to just yell at my kids, which I have done many times, Mm. um, yell at them or to go like, why are you doing that? And what's wrong with you? And all the things that we think are helpful, but it's not easy to like actually sit down with them and go like, okay, so you're frustrated because your sister took something from your hand. I would be frustrated too. Like if you, Ash, took mm. my coffee, I'd be like, screw you. Why are you taking yeah. my coffee? Um, but then the kids get upset about it. And then we get mad at the kids because they relent, like they get mad at their sister for doing something. Mm, for feeling that's instead of like Yeah, instead of feelings. And your brain is not, your brain, and I've learned this from a lot of experts on our podcast is not fully developed till they're 25 years old. So we're thinking that children who are eight years old are like totally like, oh yeah, I really shouldn't have done that. You're right. Hitting's really bad. No, you mm-hmm. have to like show them the consequences of what hitting can actually do. And and then they start to get it into their brains. Okay, like that's what I should do next time. But it's yeah. not easy. No, no. And that was a long question to a short answer. No, that, I love It was though. a long answer to a short <laughs> question. But it
1: sounds like you've done the work, but a lot of people don't do the work. They never do the work. They die without doing the work and never really have that kind of self awareness. So do you feel like you went into motherhood with a sense of that kind of awareness or is it something that you've really had to learn on the go?
0: Is this your first baby? Yeah. Okay. So I was a train wreck. Like my whole social media world, blog, everything changed when I had a kid because social media for me was just a way to share cute photos of me on set. Great. Mm. Um, didn't give, it made me feel good for a second, but really didn't do anything. Then I was like, Oh crap, I'm totally lost. I'm in my twenties. I just had my first daughter. I'm lost. I feel isolated. I'm scared. Um, I don't, I can't ask my husband. He's a guy, not that he won't support me. He will, but he doesn't understand. I had postpartum depression. I had postpartum anxiety. I was a complete mess for at least four years. Um, So I started my Instagram about ways to, like, connect with people through stories and through humor and through talking about my faults and my failures. And it's taken a lot of therapy and a lot of, like, reading and listening to podcasts and speaking to experts, which I think our podcast has been such a blessing because I've literally every week I'm like, Oh, now I'm better. Now I've learned about like sex education. Now I've learned about how to parent better. Now I've learned about how my financial, like being better in my financial life. Like the podcast has been so amazing because we've learned so much from these experts. Um, and now I'm like, Oh, if I had a third baby, I would totally be a different mom. Like I, I would forgive myself more. I would, I was so unkind to myself. Definitely my first kid a little bit for my second, but I, I just wouldn't do that. I wouldn't put so much pressure on myself mm-hmm. to look a certain way, to feel a certain way. I would realize that like anyone who's has a tax on me is their own self-doubt and their own uh, shame. Yeah. It has nothing to do nothing. with me because they have, they don't know me. They don't know anything about my life. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool when you figure out that like this is who you are. Mm-hmm. And there's like, you can't be loved by everyone. You, you have to love yourself. But I know that sounds trite, but it's so true. If you don't love yourself and I don't know if I'm fully there, but if you don't love yourself, it's almost impossible to be the parent you want to be. It's almost impossible to be the wife you want to be, the career woman you want to be because you're always second guessing yourself and you're always putting that negative mindset, not a growth mindset, of a, a, a victim mindset. And it's hard to, it's hard to grow in, in
1: that. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. kind of not being kind to yourself about the way you look. And I know this is a huge – this is something I didn't expect because I've never mm-hmm. – I'm a radio host. The way I look has never really been important. I've always had lots of body confidence. But I was still completely surprised at how detached, I felt, from the body in the mirror as it changed so much.
0: Oh, my goodness, yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And
1: you had the added craziness of your job being – like having one sense of it, one part of it being visual. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how did it change from baby one to baby two? Do you feel like, you know, your approach to my body is going to change? Was different? Was it easier the second time around or was it easy both times?
0: Look, I think the second time around is always easier, no matter what Mm. people, like it's just always easier. Um, I I talk about this a lot. I was an overweight teen. I lost all the weight, got on home and away. after I was uh, thin, as they would say. And then I developed a severe eating disorder from the ages of 17 to 22. I had bulimia, I had anorexia. I hated my body because for me it equated to success, right? Mm -hmm. So I was overweight, lost the weight, got got on a TV show. I was like, oh, it's because I'm thin. Yeah um and then it equated to you know i got a lot of attention from boys then and i was like well my sex life was about being wanted because yeah. if i was wanted through sex it meant that i was worthy i was enough and so like i was always i didn't ha- i don't have sex addiction but i was always mm. like va- sex always validated me made yeah. me feel like someone wanted me someone loved me um so my body's always been this thing that I've never really treated with respect and kindness. And, you know, after my first kid, she was five kilos, 10 pounds. Um, I had a huge, massive separation. I had a C-section. Um, so my stomach is a disaster. It got to my second baby. And then again, it. I thought it wouldn't be as much of a disaster because I was like, oh, I was just going to be the same as the first one. And it always gets every baby, your body, more than likely. Some people, great. They go back to the normal shape. But more than likely, it kind of gets worse. W- worse, what is the word worse, right? But it gets more damaged, or your skin gets more damaged over time. Here's the thing, which I've gotten to in my life now, in my thirties, it's like. I'm working on loving my body more. And I think that I will get to that place where I love it more. But if I want to change it because it's going to make me feel better, like just say like in 10 years, I want a breast lift or, you know, I might want Botox. I've never had Botox. I, in my twenties, I was like, no, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. I'm going to practice self-love. I think it's okay to either do all or do all the other, as long as it's like, what's making you feel better. Like, okay. So love your body. And if you get a bit of Botox, who cares Mm. um i think the judgment of other people like i just can't wait to headlines like all i see are like headlines about women's bodies Mm. and it fascinates me because like there's never a headline about like any guy's bodies like who cares and it's even gotten to the point where like if you're thin or you're in a certain place like in your body it's like well we, we can't like that body either it's like why can't we just yeah why can't we just like accept all bodies
1: Yeah. I found it so interesting. Um, Jonah Hill recently, who's lost a lot of weight. He did a post on Instagram aimed at the media where he said, guys, I would really appreciate if you would just stop talking about my body because it doesn't make me feel good. Because we assume he's lost weight so we can talk about how thin he is now and it's so positive. But he came out, it's like, no, that actually makes me feel shitty. And then the media respected him for saying that. And it yeah. was you know that was the narrative around it. But I feel like if a woman said that, she would be attacked. Like you know what I mean? It's it's still so. I just unfair. don't even know
0: why. Like, tell me why. Please tell me why women's bodies are a topic. I mm. just want to know what what the answer. Like, why aren't there's so many other topics we could talk about. Right. right? We need Wh- to be. Why why about? are women's bodies a topic? Why are they on? magazine covers like the best bodies like mm-hmm. why are we talking about how this person's thin this person's bigger this person has cellulite this person has a good butt why are we talking about it i don't understand i think we're talking about it i'm like i don't understand i'm gonna give you the answer i think we're talking about it because we all feed into it yeah. so if we if it sells Right, and we're buying the butt cream because we want to have less cellulite, or we're buying the things that the girls that look a certain way look like. Then or it's big business. The article. Or we're clicking on the article, or it's like their highest article because you know we talked about women's bodies, so they're going to keep cool. <laughs> Yeah, keep putting that out there, right? Keep putting it out there because we are clicking on it. Mm. So it's like if we stop clicking on it, we stop talking about it, then it's like no, it's not going to be out there anymore. And our kids—I don't know if you have a girl or a boy, but it's like our kids. Are not gonna like i hope my daughter just doesn't have to see all the crap that i did growing up like lose 25 pounds in 25 five just the ridiculous stuff those magazines Taman, and especially like
1: you were like the on the front cover because like the, these magazines don't really yeah. exist anymore but when we were kids the girlfriend and the cosmo and that all of these mag, and we all bought them well, we mm-hmm. one friend bought them and then we all shared them because we couldn't afford oh my goodness. to buy it like all of them. Like Dolly over.
0: magazine, I had that. Remember that sealed section part? Yeah. And you had to like, <laughs> and you had to like pull it apart. And I was like, oh my gosh! <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that that was like, I think back to some of that crap that was being peddled at like twelve, thirteen year olds, and it, it's proof that we've come a long way. But it's also kudos to you for making it through, man, because, I mean, I guess you didn't have social media then, so it's, again. I know, it would have been hard, yeah. Highs and lows and pros and cons. But given that now you write, you produce, you direct, you act, how do you take this fire within you to change the way, the conversations that we have and our approach to women's bodies, how do you take that into your work?
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I just was on set recently, um, as an actor and I had to be in really skimpy lingerie and, um, you know, of course my demons are like, Oh, I worked really hard to be in that lingerie and I had to be careful because it's like, you can start to go like, well, I'm not working hard enough and push yourself through exercise Mm -hmm. and diet. But then when I was on camp, when I, when they said action, I was just like, I've accepted my, I'm going to accept my body where it is right now. And I'm just Mm going to like play the pot. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, hopefully as I develop as a writer and a director, I can inject some of these themes into the work that I'm doing so that it can help people. Like I've, you know, I create content on my social media and I talk a lot about eating disorders and mental health. And if there's a way that I can combine my love for directing or writing and combine it with like things that I've been through and my past, and then sort of put that together Maybe that's a way that I can try to get people to feel less isolated in mm. their issues when it comes to their bodies, you know? Mm.
1: Well, it works because I look at the content that you create and the fact that it is no holds barred, warts
0: and all. Like There's you- some holds barred. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, everyone's like, you say everything. I'm like, well, <laughs> do I though? Mm. I don't know if I say everything. I know, I know exactly what, which lane I'm in. I don't go too far out of it. <laughs> so you know where the no-goes are. There's a few subjects that I'm like, I I touch, sometimes I touch a little bit on them and then I pull back because I'm like, it just depends on, um, I'm really big on boundaries. Mm. And if my social media followers or people who follow my um, stories or whatever can't have boundaries, then I'm not going to put myself in a situation that's going to affect me from my family. Gotcha. So if I talk about, there's so many subjects you can talk about, right? Like politics and- Mm. We can talk about guns. We can talk about abortion. We can talk about the vaccine. All mm. many, so many things we can talk about, but if I'm gonna get like death threats, or if I'm gonna get really visceral, disgusting talk, yeah that will then affect my parenting that day or affect my family that I'm not willing to go there. And that's my boundary. But if people can discuss sub- subjects with respect for each other and we can have debates, I'm fine to even have heated debates then. And everyone has got this is in line, including myself. And I'm happy to open those. Let's talk yeah. about it. You know, I think the biggest issue, especially in politics in America is like, we're not willing to listen to each other. We oh. just like want to just say what we think yeah. and then just shut up. And, 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 right. and, and it's like, nobody, nobody's allowed to have their opinion. And what I've learned over the years is getting older is like, everyone has an opinion through the lens that they've seen. Right. So I was vaccinated. My husband was vaccinated because my husband almost died of COVID. That was my lens. I saw my husband mm-hmm. almost pass away from COVID. So there was no way in hell that I was not going to get myself vaccinated and probably my family. That being said, I do think it's extremely, extremely rare, but if somebody has a vaccine injury in their family and that's the lens that they see, Mm. that is, that's their lens and that's where they're coming from. Now it's all about risk assessment. And so for me, my risk assessment was seeing it right in front of me. So that's the path that I chose, you know? And how is your husband? Is he feeling? He's not great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he has like long, long uh, COVID. He's he just had some scans recently because he's just so exhausted. I think he's now probably got chronic fatigue. He had uh, joint issues and he had memory loss for a while. That's kind of the memory stuff's gotten a little better. The joint issues are still bad. And then now now it's affecting his stomach. So mm. it's an inflammation, you know, you don't know where it's going to affect it. So he's not feeling great. Because that's a lot to take and parent and
1: work and have that. So yeah. what do you have to do to keep yourself above water to be present in all those roles with that going on. Cause that's scary.
0: The two main things in my life are, well, maybe it's more than two, but exercise is, um, plays a massive role in my life. Um, and it's not sure like vanity wise, like, yeah, I'd like to like stay in good shape, but it's really my mental health. Like I don't, I work out six days a week, sometimes seven. And I, when I say seven, it's not like hard exercise. I could do yoga on the seventh day or Pilates on the sixth day or whatever it is. Um, but if I don't move my body, then I'm not good to be around. Like I'm more anxious. I'm snappy. I get down. So I, without a doubt, from I've had anxiety most of my life. Exercise gets rid of it by 70%. Mm. So that is the number one. Um, number two is affirmations. It is manifesting. It is self-talk from negative self-talk into more of a growth mindset self-talk. It is speaking to people on our podcast, which really helps me because I learned so much, especially through mental health. Um, so yeah, it's the negative self-talk to to try to not go down that path. And it is exercise for me. And finally, you are so much a part
1: of kind of Australian psyche from, you know, for people my age, we all know you, remember you. now you are home after a long time, whatever home is, like you said, you're back in Australia. Mm-hmm. So have you been watching Australian television? Have you been
0: eating Australian
1: <laughs> food that you haven't had in a while? Have you been Definitely. just doing feral Aussie things? Like, how have you kind of reconnected I don't know these? any feral Aussie things. <laughs> but know, like, gone barefoot um, and put petrol in the car. Oh my god! I'm like, oh. My, shoes oh on.
0: <laughs> well, I don't like. I'm so bad at putting petrol in the car. I mean, I do it, but like, I just hate it so much. But um, yeah, my kids are always without shoes on. My husband's like from the Midwest. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> We've gone to the beaches, Um, you know, obviously there's tons more like critters and spiders Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So we've had a lot of fun with that. Um, My kids are obsessed with, if I hear tiny teddies one more time, I swear to God, like I am so done. Like all they, all they say is tiny teddies and Tim Tam. So they, every day they get a Tim Tam, every day they get tiny teddies. (laughs) Um, You know, obviously we've been eating out a lot here, which has been great. There's been some great wines, Mm -hmm. Um, Australian TV. I would love to, The, the Airbnb we're staying in right now is this little cabin kind of in like the it's not on the outskirts but it's like kind of tucked away um it was just cute for what we wanted right now and so the problem is the tv is in, out the back like on the patio and the patio has so many mosquitoes uh. so we haven't watched any Australian tv which is killing me because i really want to watch like the block and like all those great shows <laughs> i know there's like a parenting show which i'm like i so oh, want to hear what they watch have to say parental oh guidance, my god Taman. i feel like that is like my jam i mm. want to watch that um you know obviously the Masked singer all that kind of stuff so we bought a tv mm. but it's not connected to the channel so we're just watching like netflix of course <laughs> it's just what we'd always do i think you should
1: definitely i don't want to like if it does happen, I don't want to spoil it. But you should definitely go on the Mask Singer. I think you would be. A I good know. I, I was
0: asked to do it um 2019, and uh, we almost like were like, okay, we're gonna do it for 2019. Oh, it was gonna be 20. So end of 2019, they asked me to do it, or it's the beginning of 2020, and then COVID happened. So um, I probably shouldn't have said that because <laughs> no people are gonna be looking for it. <laughs> but, <laughs> But I was like, I was like, oh no, I don't think I can. I think it'd be too nervous. I think it'd be too nervous. And then I watch people, and I'm like, oh, I can do that. It'll be fine. So, <laughs>
1: costume, what, if you could be any creature, what would be what? Because I would be like, I like they had a kebab this year. Like someone was actually a kebab. That is so
0: good. I was like,
1: "Yes, that would be me." I want to be,
0: be a Tim be, Tam.
1: You could be a Tim Tam. A <laughs> if, a Tim, if a tiny little Tim Tam walks out on the next season of The Master Singer, we know who it is. Spoiler! I love
0: element. it. It's on here. I love it. Well, we should have you on our podcast too. You can. I would talk, and we can do a little swap.
1: I would love a podcast swap. That's yeah. much better than. I don't know what kind of swaps will we do as kids. Like we would swap
0: undie swaps. Undie swaps. <laughs> <laughs> Not the most hygienic. We'll pass swap the undie
1: swap, Tammin, and we'll go straight yeah. to the podcast swap, my love. Yeah. Thank you so much. I know you're so freaking busy, and to, and you've no, made we're time good. I'm actually I haven't had wine
0: in like three weeks, and I'm gonna go to dinner tonight. Let's so. Go. Um, people are like, why life? haven't you have wine? It's like because I literally just it was so. It's just sometimes I don't have time to drink. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. Well, tonight when you're just like you know the next day, day. is going to be massive, so you're like you get home and it's so late and you just go to bed, and then the next day is big, and then yeah. you know. And we're so. in our
1: thirties, so it's not like we can pull up perfectly. I have two glasses of wine the next day. I'm like, Ugh. oh two.
0: I, I I limit myself at like one and a half because yeah. like after that it's just a disaster.
1: We used to be cool. Now we're a new kind of cool. So
0: it's.
1: <different>. Well, that's it for episode 12, my darlings. This Thursday, I'll be chatting to clinical psychologist Julie Crabtree about the big return to normal life after endless lockdowns. This is a really good one. If you're feeling a little uneasy about Freedom Days and getting back out there into life, this episode will arm you with some practical tools to get back into things. And we also talk about uh, cultivating hope in a post-COVID world, which seems impossible, but according to Julie, can be done. I can't wait for you to hear it. If you like today's episode and want to support the project, I would love it if you'd subscribe and leave a review. But more importantly, I want to hear from you. You can shoot me an email anytime with questions, guest suggestions, feedback, whatever. Hello at ash.london. Big love. Research on this episode is by Maddie Hewson and audio production on the podcast is by Dom Evans.